0: It is wonderful to see us today, the day of the Lord, the day that the Lord has made for us to rejoice in it. Hope you have the joy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I have it. (laughs) We continue with our study. From where we left in chapter 2, today we begin chapter 3. Let us ask for God's blessing as we read his word. God, we thank you again this wonderful time you've given to us to go through your word, to read your word publicly, Lord, I pray. There will be less of me and more of you as we read your word, as we talk about it this morning. We ask that your Holy Spirit will fill us with understanding that our perspective will be aligned with your will, O God. So we pray that you help us. The meditation of our hearts, the word will speak. May they find grace before you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have a copy of God's word, please let us join together as we read. Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, John Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praised God, then the people knew that it was he who sat begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the layman who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded. Before Peter responded to these people, I want us to go back and point out a few things that are uh, happening right here with this miracle. You know, many of us we, we love miracles. We love seeing things that are, are very unusual happening. You know, when this happens and we feel excited, we we feel that. God is more present when we see people healed physically, right? And many people will do whatever it takes to be there or for this kind of things to happen to them. Most of the time forgetting that the number one miracle that we should rejoice about is a soul that has been changed and washed by the blood of Jesus. Because think about it, everyone that will read in the Bible, those who were healed, those who were resurrected, they died again, right? (laughs) But those who are born the second time, though their body will fail, or they'll rest, or they'll die, they will live again. But this was amazing. And I want us to see what God is doing here. You remember in chapter two, the miracle of you know the the sound that they heard, and the resting of cause of fire upon them. And Peter stood and proclaimed the gospel. After the confusion, he explained the gospel, and three thousand people, God born again, and the Bible said they they baptized them. That was a job and a half. <laughs> Baptizing 3,000 people is no joke. And then it is happening again. And I want you to see also the consistency of their lifestyle. That though they are in Jerusalem, though, they know somehow their lives are not very safe because they're in Jerusalem. These people might be seeking them to destroy them so that they don't speak in the name of Jesus, as we will see. But what is happening here is they consistently go to the temple to worship God. This was customarily what the Jewish people do. So it means, you know, they continued with their Jewish culture, but beyond that, they knew whom they went to worship. A lot of people came to the temple, they just worship because it was something they did from, you know, their young age to the point where They're able to go to the temple, and they would do it three times, you know, nine in the morning, at noon, and at three. And this man chose to go and worship at this particular time, Peter and John. And we see that there's also, you know, a bond of friendship with these two guys. (laughs) Uh, The the Bible calls John, you know, the, the one that was beloved Of the Lord. He rested at the bosom of Jesus Christ. He was beloved. It's not like Jesus didn't love others, but this one was beloved. And John, in his letters, he talks about love more than any other person. He experienced it firsthand. And this other man was the speaker of the day. He spoke every time, you know. Whether it's good or bad, he'll just speak anyways. And these are the two guys who are driving into the temple at this time of the day. And the Bible said there was a certain man who was lame from his mother's womb. And he was carried daily. They placed him at the temple gates. A place called... Beautiful, The gate called Beautiful. That's an irony, right? <laughs> this is a poor beggar that is laid at a very magnificent place. They said, historian, that this temple had nine entrances. But these two gentlemen chose to come through this gate. And this maybe, it was the famous gate. You know, everyone wants to go through something that is built nicely as opposed to the other. And because probably many people would use this, they chose to bring this beggar to this specific place. Think about it. Over 40 years, this man... That is what he does, (laughs) being placed. It it was not just a job for the beggar. (laughs) It was also a job for the people who carried him daily to the temple gates. That was commitment. (laughs) That means if he gets a lot, maybe the supplies will flow to the people who carries him. I don't know. They laid him at the gate to ask for alms. And then something that happened. As he's just seated there, probably he's been there the whole morning. And this was a Jewish culture. To give alms, to help the poor. They would do every, they would try to get themselves to do everything that would make them right with God. And this is one thing that they did so that they are in the good books with God. I want God to love me so I gotta do it. Whether it's from my heart or I'm just giving it, I want to give it. Some people did it just for show so that people will see them giving. Some people gave out of what they were able to give, they would help other people. But this man saw a difference with these two gentlemen. They were walking in and they say, hey, I don't know if you, those who have been in this town for some time, there was a man in town. You would hear his voice from a distance. Saidia, mama, I don't know if you guys heard the man. (laughs) He was placed at a strategic place just before a bank somewhere there. (laughs) And you know, some cafeterias and all that stuff. So people would like, let me buy something, give to him. You know, I was withdrawing this, maybe let me drop something. Sometimes they would guilt trip people to give but nonetheless it is good to give when you're convicted to give not just for the sake of giving search your heart and see what the Lord is saying to you who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple he asked for alms. he did ask I don't know the tone I don't know the dyspracy in his face. Maybe he hadn't had a lot or food or something, but he asked these two gentlemen. Maybe he saw their faces. You know, some people, when you see people on the street who are about to ask, do you know what we do? Sometimes we change direction, Right? You see them coming this way, you go this way. You see them, you see their hand. you get busy on your phone. You, we just do things so that we assume the need that is in front of us. I don't know what they saw on their faces. Perhaps, you know, as comparing to everyone who was driving into the temple, they saw a joyful people. They saw people who are excited of coming into the temple. They are ready to pray. They are ready to worship God. And they ask for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And you're like, what is there to look for? I've always already asked for something. I saw you already, that is why I asked. Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. When they spoke, his expectation went up. Because I suppose that he spoke to many people, but they didn't give heed to his voice. Hey, can I get some help from you? And people just walk and walk and walk and walk. And these two gentlemen gave attention. And when they say, Peter said, look at us, he gave attention to them also. He knew that there was something that was going to come up, but he didn't know what it was. All he knew is that these people are about to do something, they're about to give me something. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. So why am I supposed to listen to this guy again? (laughs) He has not what I want. I am here to receive these silvers. I want some money. I want some food. I want this. I wonder what this guy wants to give me. I wonder what he's thinking about. I wonder what is going through their mind or his mind. Peter say, gold and silver, I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. So the expectation is kind of rising in a way. Say, hey, I do not have. You're kind of discouraged. And he say, what I have? Like, wow, there's something that is coming. He's about to give something. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You remember what Jesus told them, them earlier when he was teaching them? Say greater things you will do in my name. But people will be given back their lives, those who are dead. The lame shall walk. And all these things will happen. And this, we see a man of faith already. That he say, I don't have what you expect. But I have something better to give you. Because if I give you this, then I am empowering you or you'll be empowered to find the gold and silver for yourself. It is a joy of every man to work with their hands and to receive from the labor of what they have done. That is why the Bible says, through Paul, the Spirit of God says, those who do not walk, they should not do what? Eat. (laughs) Find something to do. This Bible is not for the lazy people. for people who are out there to work, to do things, so that you don't become a burden and also that you become a blessing to the people who need it. Because there will always be people who are in need. Jesus said, the poor you will always have. But the gospel according to Judas is like, no, we need it for these people. They need it right now. You'll always have them. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Do you think when Peter and John, when they were coming into the temple, they knew that this was going to happen? Sadly, not. All they knew, they were going to worship the Lord and they were ready to present the cause of the gospel no matter the cost. Whatever comes their way, what they're going to do is to present Christ to the situation. They didn't know they're going to, well, they probably know that there are people begging, but they didn't know that this specific time God was going to work it out that this man would walk. And that is to tell us that whatever we do in all our businesses, let us be ready at all times, and let us be sensitive to the voice of the Spirit when He speaks to us. It is not all the time that He will tell us to pick them by the hands to walk. There are times they will just send us to the, to the shop to buy food and to bring it to them. We should be sensitive to know this dynamics when the Spirit of God is speaking to us. But because they were sensitive, they pick it up so quick and say, what is present right here is healing for you. And he took him by the right hand. I'm just thinking, man, th- this guy has been sitting here the whole day. Di- the whole day he's there and everyone is just walking in and out, walking in and out. This kind of faith I desire. Say <laughs> so In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And when the man is still thinking about it, he gets his hand. Like, hey, let me help you. (laughs) We want to do this quick. We have business to attend to. (laughs) Rise up and walk. What a beautiful scene. He took him up. By his hand, lifted him up. And immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. Which means all this man has been lacking the rest of his life was strength to his ankle bones to stretch up and to walk, to be able to get to the next step and the next step and the next step. So he, he, leaping up, and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. We don't have the graphic images of what really happened. But think about it. This is a man who has never walked one day of his life. Think about the amount of excitement that he's able to do what all these people are doing. Within a minute, he's able to do it. In a fracture of a second, he's able to leap up. You guys have seen these people who dig the road, or these tractors digging the road. Sometimes they, or most of the time, they don't know where the pipes are, water pipes. And they're digging, and when the, whatever instrument they're using or the truck gets to the pipe and breaks the pipe, if there was water, water will always find a crack or a way out as quickly as it can, you break it and immediately water will gush out, speedily splashing out. This is the illustration that is used here, that when they hold, when Peter hold his hand for the first time, he gushed out, he's leaping out in joy, wondering the miracle that has happened to him. Try to figure it out. Try to think about it. He's able to walk again. He's able to jump. I, in other words, he probably he was confirming. <laughs> like, is this happening really to me? Man, this is exciting. And you know what he did? He walked, leaping up, jumping, and praising God. because he was informed earlier that it is not the power that proceeds out of John or Peter. They said, in the name of who? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This men they do not want to take credit of anything that is happening. It all belongs to God. Sadly enough, many men and women today They have made the foundations of their ministry based on miracles. There are ministries based on miracles. So, to keep it going, they will manufacture miracles so that people will keep on coming. Many of the things we see today, they are stage-managed. But God made this happen for a reason. And we are going to see it. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Because when God wants to do anything, any sort of a miracle, there will be confirmation that it happened for real. We've seen that in this, they call them mega crusades. People will get healed, but you cannot trace it. People get healed here in Eldoret, but they, they're not from this town. They came from other towns. People from that local area, they don't get healed. You guys wondered, <laughs> we think about these things. We, we see them everywhere. Or if they go other places, people from Eldred got healed. But we can't really follow up and say for sure This man, this woman got healed. But this man was known. His face was printed on their eyeballs everywhere. They knew, they could not miss it. Immediately they knew that it was the man, it was him. Now the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. And all the people ran together to them in the porch which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. This was a place that Solomon uh, made so that when the sun is too hot or the weather is unbearing, people can go under and have a breathing space there and it would hold thousands of people. This temple was huge. We will see that more thousand will get born again, again <laughs> after hearing um, the testimony of Christ. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. And I love his response. He said, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk. <laughs> Why look at us as though we are magicians, though we have any sort of power? What trying to do is trying to make them realize that they are humans and they have no power unless Given by God. Say, don't don't gaze upon us. Don't look at us as though whatever you're seeing proceeds out of us. No. Look to Him. I wonder many people would, you know, send people to God when this kind of miracles happens. When they happen, like, look to us, bro. <laughs> You know what we did. You know what we did. He's trying to make them understand that this man is not walking because we are so godly. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate who was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And kill the prince of life whom God raised from the dead. Which we are witnesses. You remember Jesus told them that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be what? My witnesses. The witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This was a big subject. A few things that Peter is mentioning here, taking them back to the God of Abraham, the God of their forefathers, Yahweh, the one that they knew, they called him holy, the holy one, the prince of life. These wordings were well understood by this Jewish audience. Because they use them even in their prayers. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our forefathers, we pray unto thee. And when these words are coming to them, it's reminding them of the true one God, Yahweh. And he's telling them that you guys delivered him. Even when Pilate was determined in his heart to relieve him, you guys say, No, we want him dead. Crucify him, crucify him, and give us our own kind. <laughs> our murderer, a thief. Give us that one. We want that one. The kill, the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith, in his name, he has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshings may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heavens must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of His holy prophets sins the world's began, For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up from, for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will hear that prophet shall be, shall not hear that prophet, shall utterly be destroyed amongst the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow as many as have spoken have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets and sons of covenant which God made with our forefathers, saying to Abraham. And in your seeds, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, send him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquity. You see the way God is working things out this man got healed and that opened a door for the man peter to preach the gospel whenever god gives us an opportunity or these situations when they happen in our lifetime you know what you ought to do make sure the things you do they are christ centered if it will take people away from Christ, you know that w- that was statement aid or is a counterfeit of something that is happening because now he's not talking about the man. You guys know this man. He's not a problem right now. The problem is your hearts. <laughs> the problem is you have heard the gospel from before time. From Moses and Samuel and all the prophets, these things were spoken ahead of time and they are happening right in our eyes. Are you not seeing? Are you not sensitive enough to see what God is doing in our times? If we were to title this chapter, would say it's the times of refreshings, because he says here, "Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins might be blotted out, so that times of refreshings may come from the presence of the Lord." Wow, this is what he says every time he's preaching: repent. Turn away from your sins and turn to God, gaze upon him, from him proceeds life. Life comes from him, the prince of life that you nailed at the cross. The Bible tells us, as we read a few weeks ago, that The graves were not able to hold him. He laid his life freely. These things God foretold by the mouth of all those prophets, that Christ would suffer. And after that, he will be glorified. And he say, God glorified his servant, Jesus Christ. And as he's addressing this multitude, he's saying, hey, forget about this man. Forget about all the years this man has suffered. He has to walk his way to the kingdom too. If he doesn't receive Christ, he will walk. But he will go straight to darkness if he will not accept Jesus Christ. And that is the other reality. (laughs) Though your physical body will be restored, if you're not going to follow Jesus Christ intentionally, you're not going to see heaven. You won't. But are you looking forward to these times of refreshing from the presence of God. Say, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Repentance is the key subject we see when the early church is beginning. Dealing with people's hearts in their minds, in their intellect, they know a lot of things. Torah, they can recite it. They know what was written by the prophets. But they just missed the times. They didn't pay much attention to the prophecies. But these very unschooled men are bringing this gospel. So powerfully. Let me read to us the next four verses of the next chapter. Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about (laughs) 5,000. Think about it. God is making one, this, one of the events to happen the miracle of a man who was lame. But the greatest of all is thousands of people are getting born again. That is the central message of the gospel. To bring people out of their sinful life, to accept the Savior whom they took to the cross, so that their sins may be forgiven. And when this is happening, the religious leaders are getting upset, but the lay people are getting their way to heaven. What a joy. Do you know that the people who think they know a lot of things, they can become so much a hindrance to people. They think they know it all, And now they think they're not going to be famous anymore because these people are preaching resurrection in the name of Jesus. They tried to to suppress it so that it will not be known to people that Jesus resurrected but it's so loud to people that he did. And through that man that they're rejecting another man has received strength to his bones is a testimony and this man is behind here they will take him to court actually <laughs> to give a testimony. And say, all I know is I was born this way and I'm not that way anymore. Can't you not see it? That is how sin can make us to be so dumb and dull of heart not to understand things. We see it, but we don't want to accept it. Do you know the reason why many people, even our family members and colleagues and friends, the reason why they don't want to come to Christ is because they so love their sin. They know for sure that when you cross and come to Christ, you're going to have to leave drinking and partying and stealing. And we love those things. We love them, don't we? But many people received Christ. Many people got born again. As I bring the worship team to come, you know, these times of refreshing, they don't come on people who have hardened their heart. It comes upon the people who have said, Lord, here I am. I surrender my life to you. I have been a sinner. I have walked in my sinful life for a long time. In my mind, I thought I was born again, but I was just keeping things moving. I didn't really follow Christ. I didn't really honor Christ with my life but when the reality of your own self will dawn unto you, looking upon Jesus Christ, gazing upon him via who I am, you will realize how unworthy you are and how you need him. How you need Jesus. Maybe sometimes we think we don't need him that much. We don't really, you know, we're good. We, we, we do a few things here, like giving of alms. And I want also to remind us that Peter and John, as we read A few weeks ago, all these people who got born again, the Bible told us that they sold their properties and they brought to the feet of the apostle. So people would be like, why did they say they don't have silver and gold? Yet everything was brought at their feet. Is that possible? Do you know why they didn't carry that money? Because it is not their personal money. It is not their personal money. It belonged to the church. I don't have the right to use church's money for my own personal things. Like because I'm a pastor, I'll go to town, I'll meet people who have need, so let me get a few thousands in my pocket because I'll give them to people. People do it a lot in our world today. But it is a dreadful thing for me to do. (laughs) Getting, I'm thinking about people, people have worked the whole week, they've worked the whole month for their money. They are bringing it to the church to be used for kingdom purpose, and I'm taking the money to go give people because they need it? No. They said silver and gold, we don't have. It didn't mean that they don't have food. (laughs) It didn't mean that they they can't buy clothes. It just means they don't want to use church's resources for other things. All of us are supposed to be empowered to help people as much as God will help us. We've seen people, you know, we meet people on the street, and instead of helping them, we send them to the pastor's we send them to the church. It is your responsibility as a believer to do so. And many people will say, well, I will take my tithe and give them to people in the street. Messed up! We are twisting the scriptures all over the place. That is not what the Bible tells us. Bring your fast fruit in the house of the Lord so that there will be meat. <laughs> there will be food. Bring it to the church so that we'll pay bills. We've got a lot of bills to pay as a church. Right? But they say silver and gold. We don't have. I think... There's a point where we, we need to be very gracious with the people who serve in our local churches. We will ask for help, and when they're not able, we feel like they're holding on stuff. And all we have in the name of Jesus, we are praying with people, and they don't receive it. Why? Because our expectation is not that. We don't expect that through this prayer, God can open a door. We want to see it. We want to feel it. Such as we have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up. I hope the Lord will help our hearts that we have proper perspective on how we approach, especially things related to finances. Amen, church?